reading for All Saints Sunday comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. That is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. May the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. There's an expression that I've heard for as long as I've been around here in the upper Midwest I think it probably exists regardless of where you're at. I live in Iowa. It's definitely true in Iowa. I used to live in Minnesota for a couple of years. It's true up there. I've heard it said in Nebraska. I've heard it said in South Dakota. It stands to reason. Anywhere in the upper Midwest, it probably gets stated. As soon as I start to say it, perhaps you'll recognize it. Don't like the weather? It's Iowa. Wait five minutes. It'll change. It is so true regardless of the time of year, but this time of year in the transitional seasons, fall and spring has the same sort of situation. This is very, very, very true. The speed and the rapidity with which the weather can change is remarkable. Now, all I have to do is think back over the course of the last maybe three or four days to see how obvious this example is. A few days back, I, the day started off and it was cool in the morning. It was in the 40s. But it was a bright, clear, very calm day. And as the sun got up, things warmed up dramatically. And by the middle of the afternoon, we were bumping 80 degrees. It was 80, blue sky, calm, no wind. It was gorgeous. And if you didn't get outside, you were really missing out. Then over the course of the next 48 hours or so, things began to kind of change. The the wind came up. And the weather felt more almost heavy. It was still fairly warm, but it almost seemed humid, like it would cut loose and there was a storm coming, like you could almost feel it. And then the wind came up even more, and when I woke up this morning, as I'm recording this, it was cold, it was blustery, it was very, very dark and cloudy, and it was raining like crazy. That was how the day went on. Now, the rain has since tapered off, but the weather's supposed to stay in, like, the 40s. And let me tell you, I do not envy my daughter, who's going to be sitting outside at a football game tonight. I'm staying home when it's warm. Don't like the weather? Wait five minutes. It'll change. This also becomes apparent, perhaps, in the way that we watch our thermostats. That's something I've been paying attention to as well, especially on Sunday mornings when things can change so dramatically. This happened just a couple of weeks ago. We had a particularly cool morning, so when I got over here to the church and came here into the sanctuary where I'm standing right now, it was very, very cool in here because we still had the air conditioning. And I thought to myself, it's too cold in here, so I turned the heat on to warm it up. 
and it warmed it up quickly. It got nice in here. But then I got to thinking, you know, as soon as we start putting some bodies here into the, the room where I'm at, body heat's going to raise it up, and it's going to get too warm. So initially, I shut it off completely. And then as it did start to get warmer, I turned the air conditioner on. I tapped my hand just now because I've got an app on my phone I can do it from. Turned the air conditioner on, which works really well. And by the end of the service, it got chilly, and we actually had to turn the heat back on. Back and forth. You don't like the weather. Wait five minutes. It will change. That idea, this rapid back and forth change, that is the idea that I think is spot on from our scripture lesson for today. But as per normal, we have to set the stage for where we at because context is always important. As I mentioned earlier in the video, Jesus has been traveling towards Jerusalem. He's been getting very, very close to Jerusalem. And we've had these ongoing teachings, these ongoing interactions that really point us towards this generalized theme of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ in the reality of the world in which the kingdom of heaven has come near to us but is not brought to fulfillment. How are we followers of Christ in a world that doesn't always support that? That's a general idea that we've had. Today is no different, but the setting is dramatic dramatically different. This is very early on in Jesus' ministry. Not a ton has happened. Now, he has begun moving around. He has beginning to make a name for himself, and crowds are beginning to gather around him. But that's really about all that's happened. Immediately before our scripture picks up for today, Jesus has actually gone up a mountain for some alone time. He does that. There's a small group of people that surround him, and while he's up the mountain, he actually calls the 12 disciples. These, these individuals, he calls them by name. He calls them his specific disciples, his followers. They are given that title. And then together, Jesus and his merry band of followers now come back down the mountain to a level place, to a plain, and he begins this sermon, this time of teaching to a large crowd that has gathered. This is not unique only to Luke's gospel. The same situation also happens in Matthew's gospel. But interestingly enough, when we find the same story present in different gospels, the settings can change or things can be different. In that one, Jesus actually goes up the mountain to teach. So that one's called the Sermon on the Mount. This one, he comes down the mountain to the flat place. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. But it's the same situation. Much of the teachings are the same. Much of the things that we hear in them are the same. And interestingly enough, the way that they both start, Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel start off in the same way with this teaching we have come to know as the Beatitudes. Blessed are this type of people. Now what's interesting and what we really need to pay attention to when we find them in different gospels is the things that are similar, but also the things that are different among them. Those are always good to pay attention to. In Matthew's gospel, the list is a little longer. There's seven or eight of these different statements that he makes. But it's also a little bit more spiritual in nature as he's speaking more generically about types of people. Blessed are this type of people, and blessed are that type of people, and blessed is this type of people. But here in Luke, he's speaking to someone specifically. We hear about it in the immediate narration. He looks at his disciples, and everything is addressed to you. Blessed are you. And Jesus makes first four statements of times, specific conditions in which the person is blessed. Blessed are you now, and then you will be in a different situation. That's what we hear over and over again. But here's the other big difference between Matthew and Luke. We also have the flip side of the coin. We have the back and forth because we also have the woes. 
And I really appreciate this list because when we partner them up together, we see that Jesus is giving us two sides of different coins. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. But woe to you who are satisfied, for you will be hungry. That one, I got to tell you, that one's right on the nose. I don't know about you, but being hungry is something that I experience a lot. And then I eat something and I feel fine. And then two hours later, I'm hungry and I'm ready to eat again. That one in particular, out of all of this list, shows us the back and forth, the back and forth, the back and forth, the don't like it, wait five minutes and it'll change-ness of this situation. But we have the blessings are, or the blessed are you now, and then we have the woe to. I thought a lot about the language, woe, because it's something that's unique. Matthew doesn't have it, Luke does. But I thought about it. Is this a situation where Jesus is telling us that you're in real trouble in these situations, or is there a little something else that's going on? I mean, think about that. Think about the cyclic nature of being hungry. You're hungry, he says you're blessed, for you will be filled. But when you're filled, woe to you, for you will be hungry. But, when, but then you're hungry again, so then you're blessed, which means you will be satisfied, but then you're satisfied and you will be hungry. So it's this big circle. I don't think Jesus is basically telling these people you're in real trouble because you're not hungry at the moment. I think there's something else going on here. And we find it in the original language when we really stop and take a look. Woe. Now, we don't use that word in English unless we're trying to be dramatic, like woe is me. But it means something specific. It means there's sadness or, or pay attention or this is something you should be aware of. And in the original language, it almost has an emphasis to it that's implied. There's only one other word in the Greek language that actually does the same, and it's the word that we would translate as behold. Well, think about it. You can't just say behold this. You have to put some emphasis on it. Behold! Got to have an exclamation point right in there, and woe is the same thing. It almost acts like a wake-up call, almost like an alarm. And when I think about alarms, I think about my daughter's alarm. My daughter gets up early on a lot of school days because she does some extracurriculars ahead of time, so her alarm goes off fairly early. And her alarm does something that I'd never heard before. It's probably not unique. I just never experienced before. And this, what it does that's different than any that I've ever heard before is it starts off pretty minor, but it increases in intensity. It starts going off, and it's just kind of a slow beep and not really too invasive. But after about 10 minutes, or excuse me, 10 seconds, it gets a little bit louder. It goes beep beep, and then pretty soon beep, beep, beep. It's a little bit more. And after about another 10 seconds goes by, if she hasn't gotten up and gotten that thing shut off yet, it speeds up. Beep, 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 beep. It increases in intensity to get your attention. I mean, that's what an alarm clock is supposed to do. And the woes are supposed to do the exact same thing. I continue to come back to the cyclic nature of these statements that Jesus makes. Blessed are you now for the, you, your situation will change, but woe to you when this is your situation because it will change again. Life is so fickle. It's back and forth, and I think God knows it. So what do we take from this? What do we take from this moment when Jesus continues to say, blessed are you now, it's going to change, but woe to you now because it's going to change. Well, if we pay attention, we find there's one statement that he makes where it's all present tense. It's not blessed are you now for woe to you then. It's blessed are you for yours is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is currently here with you now. 
The scriptures tell us, Jesus himself tells us that in his becoming human and entering into this world, the kingdom of God has come near to us. It is here among us now, even if it has not been brought to fruition. It is among us. And the promise of the gospel is that we are included in that. We are called by God to be beloved children. We are called by God to be followers of Christ and share in that same distinction of being blessed even in the times that might not feel like it. That list that Jesus poured out there, it didn't sound very blessed, if you ask me. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who are mourning. Blessed are you who are excluded and reviled. That doesn't sound real joyful, but what we take from that is not the fact that life says things are bad. We remember that God calls us blessed, and we live our lives in that reality. When Jesus switches gears towards the end of this passage and he kind of starts talking about this oddball way of being in the world that's so countercultural, I think that's what he's talking about. He's reminding us that as followers of Christ who are called beloved child, who are called blessed, even in the times that don't feel like it, we are called to be different in this world. This world exists in a way that does not line up with what Jesus says. And perhaps the most on the nose of everything that he says today is the golden rule. It's right there in the Bible, folks. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Seems like a no-brainer, like it's something we learn in kindergarten, and then we promptly forget it because none of us do it. The world doesn't work that way. Even if we are called to act in that way, the world doesn't. And if you need an example, I have a perfect one. I saw this just a couple of days ago when I was watching the news. But it wasn't the news itself. That tends to be bad enough. It was actually a commercial break that existed in the midst of the news. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in just a few more days from now as I'm recording this, we have an election coming up. And things are getting ugly, as they often do. And in this one commercial break, one batch of commercials, I saw six political ads, six. Four of them, four of the six, were aimed at one particular race. One situation of one person running against another person. Four of the six were this one race. Three of the, of the four were about one person, one of the two. Two of them were attack ads from his opponent. One was actually an ad that he was putting out himself. And so we see this batch of ads that are all aimed at attacking the other side. And that's the way that politics works. Let me make you afraid of them. Let me tell you how they're out to get you. Let me tell you why they're operating in this way and why you should be afraid of them. And instead of acting like Jesus tells us of treat others as you would have them treat you, we do the opposite. We're, we tend to operate under the guise of do unto others before they do unto you. But that's not what Jesus calls us to do. Followers of Christ, and that includes every single one of us, we are called to be different in this world. This world in which the kingdom of God is near to us. It is here even if it hasn't been brought to fulfillment. We live our lives in a way that reflects that, not because we are trying to earn anything, but because God has claimed us and called us blessed, even in the midst of situations that don't always feel like it. Now, I mentioned before, this is All Saints Sunday this week. And in this time, we will remember those who have gone on before us. They've crossed the, the, the barrier into death, into whatever it is that comes 
whatever it is that exists on the other side of it. Now, we believe and we profess that they are now experiencing the fullness of the promise of the kingdom of heaven. And we look to their example knowing that that promise has been given to us too and one day we will also experience it and we live our lives right now in a way that is contrary to this world in a way that reflects that that is true. And maybe, just maybe, the more we all act like that, the closer this will come to becoming a reality in our reality. But in the meantime, the takeaway is this. You are blessed, not because of anything you have done, not because of what the world has said, but because of what God has said about you. And what God has said about you is you are blessed.